Excuse me, is, is this the room for the meeting? Yeah? Oh, good. Okay. Wow, there's a lot of chairs here. Hello. Hi. I like your watch. Oh. Hi. Hello. <laughs> what a wonderful place this is. Look, there's drums here. Drums in the room. That's interesting. I never heard of that. <clears throat> wow, it's bright. Hello. How are you? It's good to see you. Uh, yeah. Oh, thank you. Well, I'm really glad to be here. And my name is Ira, and I'm a worryholic. Thanks. <laughs> Wow, you know, this is a big worryholics group. Are you, all, are you guys all, all worriers? I think you are. I could tell just looking at you. A lot of worriers out there. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad to be here in this group. And, you know, I never shared before. That's probably because I'm scared too. I'm kind of worried, you know. So <laughs> is it all right if I tell my story? Oh, Thanks. Q guy, get it right. <laughs> well, you know, I, I grew up in, in Long Island, New York. And uh, if you've never been there, it's Jews for miles. Now, w- one of the pastimes of, of the Jewish heritage is anxiety and fear. It's just, it's just one of those things kind of built into our culture. And, and, and so our whole neighborhood was like that. As a matter of fact, my mother was kind of like the psychologist of the neighborhood, but uh, she didn't have much luck helping people uh, uh, find peace and, and, and relaxation. They, there was an anxious group, and, and, and me as well. I, I certainly grew up like that. And uh, I would be worried about being in front of people like this. I really would. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, so anyway, um, you know, it all started for me with dodgeball. You know that game? Oh, my goodness. Oy vey, that, that game scared me to death as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> I got hit so many times, you know. And, you know, I'm kind of short, right? And uh, I, I don't have the best arm or aim. So I really was kind of like a sitting duck in this game. I really was. I would just constantly get hit. And, and I don't know, who invented that game? Some sadist or something, you think? <laughs> anyway, it got me very anxious. And, you know, there's a, there's a lot of things about me that, that kind of made me anxious. One of the things was my nose. And, you know, my, my nickname when I was younger was Nose. And, you know, it was, it was, it was kind of, it, it caused me a little bit of, uh, of anxiety and fear as well. And, uh, you know, I, I had a fear of dying. I don't know about you. Anybody have a fear of dying? Yeah. 
I had a fear of dying, and, and it, I would constantly think, like, like what's going to happen when I die? Is, yeah, am I, is it just going to be nothingness, or is something going to happen? And, and is that nothingness going to come around again, like eternity, or what? You know? Did you ever think that? You know what I mean? Are you there? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> well... One of the things about my fear of dying was that, uh, you know, my, my family uh, and, and people on the East Coast, what they would do is they would send their kids away to summer camp. Now, that would be for two months. And so they'd send them away for two months, and the parents would go to the Caribbean. Maybe not today. Maybe not today. But uh, they would go on vacation for two months while the kids are at camp. What a deal, huh? Anybody want to do that now? <laughs> I heard some people with twins. They probably want to. So anyway, I was away at I was away at, at, at summer camp, and it was the first time I went, and it was it was kind of you know scary because you, you're away from your house for you know by yourself, and uh, you know that first day uh, I went to I, I got in bed and I went to go to sleep, and I was thinking, where am I? You know, and and. Uh, then the counselor came up to me and said, you need to go to the office. And I went to the office, and there was my dad, and he, he told me that the most important, one of the most important persons in my life had died that day of a heart attack, and that was my grandpa. And it immediately just set me off in, in, in worry and fear about death, and, and I, you know, I missed him, and, and I was afraid. And I was so afraid of death that I was afraid to eat any food in a can because I thought I'd get botulism poisoning. Yeah, I did. And so what they did was they sent me, like a good Jewish boy, like a Woody Allen type of person, I went to therapy. Therapy can be very helpful. And I went to therapy and the therapist said, you know, that I should um, get an aquarium. <laughs> because fish die all the time. And of course, a nine-year-old like I uh, killed the fish quite a bit because I would feed them hot dogs. And <laughs> it, it, that wouldn't work. They were at least Hebrew national. <laughs> so they, they got good hot dogs, but they killed them every time. And, 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 and so he thought that that would help me to get kind of used to death and everything. And well, it did a little, but then we moved to California. I moved to California, and I got involved with some friends that were in, in, in high school, and, and they were in the drama department and, and made some good friends. But then I, that summer, after my first year at school, I, I, I went back to New York, and I, I worked at a, at a day camp that my aunt was running. And, and uh, she saw that I was anxious, you know. It was pretty obvious. And she saw that I was anxious, and she said, I have something for you. And I said, yeah, I'd like to have it. And she said, here, smoke this. <laughs> and, and, and so, you know, I did. I smoked it. And, you know, um, well, let me tell you, I got a little more paranoid. I started running around the apartment because I thought the police were following me. I don't know about you, but it could do that. And, and so I thought, you know, even though I, I got a little more anxious, I thought, this is good. I'm going to try this more at home. And I, I came home to tell my friends about it and, and uh, say that we should try this stuff because it will make us less anxious. And, 
and they said, hey, we have something to tell you. We just accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And I thought, oh, vey, what am I up to now? What am I going to do? And so at that point, I, I, I didn't know what was going on, but I... I had an opportunity to be in a drama competition for the state of California. And uh, it was last minute. I was a substitute because I was too young. And so I I went to the competition, and me and just one other person got in the finals. And it it was pretty exciting, but we were in a hotel room, and I was scared to death. I was sweating. I was shaking. My heart was palpitating. And I was looking over at my friend who got in the finals with me from school. And, and, and she was like totally relaxed. And, and I thought, what is up with that? I want to be like that. And I said, why are you so relaxed? And she said, because Jesus is my Lord. And I said, not again. And, and I didn't know what to think about this. And so I started looking into it because I thought, hey, what I need is something to relax. You know, I tried, you know, that stuff you smoke. I tried meditation. I tried therapy. I tried all these things. They didn't work, really. And and so when she said that, I thought, I need to look into this thing. And so I started studying and and looking into it. And then that my friends came up to me and said, you know, you need to accept the Lord and then you're going to feel a lot better. You're going to have that peace and, uh, because he is the Prince of Peace. And so I prayed. I prayed with them. And, and then it was a little later in the day, I, I said to my friend who prayed with me, I said, I just don't get this faith thing. You know, Jews, they're, they're intellectual. They like to think. Uh, they're, they're practical, you know, hands-on type people. And, and, you know, this whole thing about faith was something new to me. And, and she said to me, have faith that God would give you faith. And at that very moment, at that very moment, the God just poured into my soul, and I, and I had the peace that passes understanding. I knew what that meant. I just didn't have it in my head. It was in my soul, and I was bursting out with the love of God. It was so cool. And after that, you know, I, I, here I was, this guy who was afraid of, of dying. When, when we eventually, years later, moved here to Utah, one of the first things I did was to be a hospice chaplain and to help people with walking into eternity with God. And it was so cool. And I thought, look at what God has done in bringing me peace and understanding these principles that that can help me find peace. And at that very moment, I realized that, that I had been on a lifelong quest to have peace in my life and to find the Savior who is the Prince of Peace. Yeah. Oh, thanks. <laughs> no, don't stand. Don't stand. <laughs> anyway. Okay, enough of the silliness. <laughs> that is my story, and uh, that was my accent. <laughs> I don't have it much anymore. Sometimes I do. But I'd like to uh, like to welcome American Fork Campus. Hopefully, you enjoyed that that silliness as well. And uh, we're we're talking today about the confessions of a worryholic. And I, I I just wanted to kind of give you an idea of my story. I think I'm the poster child for worry and anxiety. And so, when when somebody might say, "Yeah, you you just don't understand," I'll tell you, look at my life. 
all right? Because I, 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 I was an anxious person, and I still struggle with it, but God, through the principles that I've learned throughout the years, has really brought healing into my life. And so I wanted to share that with you. Is that all right? Yeah. yeah. You're done with all the cue cards, so it's okay. You, you just relax now. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord God, we love you. We thank you for your goodness. And we ask God that you would just be with us today. Uh, Lord, this is a crazy world that we live in. And all the situations that are taking place over the last few months have really brought about quite a bit of stress and anxiety on people. And then, of course, everybody's personal things as well. And Lord, you are a great God. You are the Prince of Peace. And so we ask, God, that that you would be here with us, that we would be open to receive what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's let's read our scripture for today. Uh, This is Matthew 6, 25 through 34. It says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See the flowers of the field and how they grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Just want to give a little context to this portion of Scripture. We're in uh, the Sermon on the Mount, and Jody last week was talking about eternal investments. And in that concept of internal investments, the, the crux of that last week was in Matthew six twenty four that said, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And Jesus' concern here was a very important concern because he loved us and he wanted the idea of the Sermon on the Mount was to bring blessing into the lives of those that followed him. And, and so this was this understanding of only serving God and not serving any other power or force or influence or desire was key in his communication. First things first is what he was looking for in our lives, that we would put him above everything else. God is first above all things and especially money. He is above that. One of the great challenges in our society is that, is that money has become an idol in, in this world. And whether you think you're affected of it by it or not, 
we all are because of the culture that we live in. It's kind of like living in an aquarium, not the one that I had, but living in an aquarium where, where we don't even realize that this water is affecting us each and every day, but it is. And it's the water uh, of commercialism and consumerism and greed. So we can't worry about these things. And if we put these things and this worry above God first, that's when anxiety and fear jumps in, right? That's when it jumps in. And so most of us would agree that uh, Jesus is Lord and we're going to put him first, right? Yes? Yes? Most of us would agree, that, agree to that. But the reality is when the rubber meets the road, even without us recognizing it, it is, it, 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 it is more of a theoretical way of uh, understanding the lordship of God in our lives and putting him first in our lives and not a reality. And it is because of that that we really suffer with anxiety in this world, especially in our country just amazing, the anxiety, the, the drugs that people need to take in order to feel okay. And I'm not against drugs, but I, but I am against anxiety because, because God said that we should not be anxious for anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, present our request to God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard our hearts and minds in Christ. So our scripture for today, the beginning of that, coming, coming alongside of this context of we need to put God first, first things first, is therefore I tell you, do not worry. So Jesus is saying this is connected to this. If we can get this right, the effect is going to be that we will not worry. And so if we can understand the first things first concept if we can understand putting God first, it is key. Now, there's a lot of practical things you could do to, to relieve stress. And, uh, you know, there's like all kinds of breathing exercises and you can do this type of stretching or, you know, all these things you can do. To, but if you, those, those can be temporary fixes. But what Jesus is talking about here is go to the core, go to the the main concept, grab a hold of it, and see your life change. That's what God wants. Now, I have seen this in my life, but I still struggle. And so I have to go to those key concepts all the time. This week I had to do it. But... It is not these details of relaxation or taking time for yourself. These are all good things. There's nothing wrong with any of them, stretching. I don't know. You can probably come up with a dozen things, karate or whatever, you know. You can, you can come up with a whole bunch of things that you could relax with, right? But, and, and you should do them. But if you get to the core of the issue, it has a radical impact on your life. So that's where we are today. That's what we want to do today. So let's look at what anxiety is. A a good definition that I found was a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. Anybody have one of those? Anything uncertain in your life today? We could all raise our hands, right? 
There's a lot of uncertainties in life today. Really, if you wanted to, you could take it to, I'm, I, it's uncertain if I'm going to walk out of this room today, right? Yeah, I mean, you never know what, what's going to happen in life. So anxiety is not a disease you can catch. There, there's a, a lot in, in our society that, that, that talks about like, uh, you know, uh, I'm an anxious person or I have anxiety disorder, things like that. Now, I'm, I, I'm really trying to be clear here. People can be more anxious than others, but it is not like a disease like the flu. It is not something you inherit. It is something that you can address in a very profound and powerful way with the truths of the word of God and you can see that change. Matter of fact, a good, a good clarity on this comes from the anxietycenter.com. I like that name. I wonder how worried they are in that place. Uh, it says, anxiety disorders persist only because the underlying factors that cause them aren't properly addressed. That is exactly what I want to talk to you about today. These underlying factors that we would address them in a biblical, truthful way to see transformation in our lives, to see us have the peace that passes understanding in our lives. Does that sound like a good thing? Let's look at the first one. The first one is when you put, when you put God first, you know that life is more than. You know that life is more than. Got that slide? Did I skip a bunch? There it is. When you put God first, you know that life is more than. So let's look at our scripture for today. 625 says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Jesus is giving us a key to life here. Life is more than the details that we see in front of us. Life is more than our circumstances. Life goes so much deeper than that. And we we want to get this because Jesus is making it a point of showing it to us. He is pointing it out to us so that we will not be anxious in our lives. That life is more than. It's interesting that the... You know, the first thing that happened thousands of years ago, the first temptation was about a fear of not having food, right? With Adam and Eve. And, and, and so we can see that even back then, there was anxiety and, 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 and they're wondering and they were, they're having trouble trusting God that he was going to care for their needs. Here is two people that, that were created in God's image, that had everything they needed. They had the most beautiful place in all the world. It was perfect in every way. And somehow, the devil convinced them that they should worry that they weren't getting the best food. Isn't that crazy? They had, they, they had nothing that was negative in their lives. But the devil was able to put in their mind this, this sense of false reality that they were missing out on something that was wonderful that they should try, and that was their forbidden fruit. So the core of worry and sin is distrust in God, and that's what we have to be so careful about. But as we look in that life is more than something, we want to look at 2 Corinthians 4, which says, Therefore do not lose heart, Though outwardly we are wasting away, the visible we are wasting away. Isn't that right? 
Unless Christ comes, we are all going to waste away. It is a painful reality, but it is true. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. There is this dichotomy that we have to understand. There are going to be circumstances in our life that show from the outside that we are wasting away. It's going to show us that these are negative circumstances. But then what Paul is saying is inwardly we are being renewed day by day. What an incredible thing to realize that there will be outward circumstances that are negative, but life is greater than. It is greater than just the external circumstances. It's something that we can realize that we can be renewed day by day in. And says, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not what is seen, on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. You guys, we have to get this because it is so obvious to us that every day we see the visible and we could be convinced by the visible to not have hope, to be anxious, to worry. But what Paul is saying here is the visible is going to waste away. It's temporal. It's, going to, it's just going to fade away. But the invisible is eternal. The invisible has more reality than the visible. The visible has to submit itself, submit itself to the reality of the invisible God and his lordship and his kingdom. Your circumstances need to submit themselves to the reality of God. Submit themselves to the truth and the promises of God. It's incredibly important what we see. It influences our life every day. It speaks to us and gives us a sense of what is real. But God is spirit and he's invisible and his kingdom is as well. You know, Jesus was before Pilate and he was about to be crucified. He had been beaten already. He was, he was just in terrible, terrible shape. And Pilate was mocking him and talking to him about his army and, and his influence and all this stuff because he was called king of the Jews. And you know what Jesus said? My kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom's not of this world. And so we should live as people not of this world, knowing that the invisible, uh, the visible needs to submit itself to the reality of the invisible. So reality must be influenced. The, the visible reality must be influenced by the unseen. If you decide what is real based on what you see, then you have a perspective that is not fully true. You must look at the invisible in your circumstance. I hope you're thinking like this right now as I'm talking about your circumstance that is giving you stress in my life. I know I am. And realizing that the reality is what God has for us. 
Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we what? Do not see. This is the reality. We would be certain of what we do not see. What do you not see today that you could trust God for? Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's the hope for a spouse someday. Maybe it's, your, it's a job. Whatever it is, submit it to the reality of God and trust him. In, in 2 Kings, Elisha was with his servant. And there was a, a war about to take place, a battle about to take place. And the servant was very anxious. All he could see were these strong forces that were against these very, very few Israelites. And what did Elijah do? He prayed to God and he said, open the eyes of my servant so he could see. And what did he see? What did he see? He saw horses on the hills and chariots of fire, the forces of God that were ready to destroy the enemy that he was afraid of. Amen. And that is what we can see too. Life is more than what you see. Life is more than what you see. When you put God first, number two, you realize your power is weaker than. This is a good thing. When you realize your power is weaker than, then you can surrender to God, which is a very important place to be in your life. Matthew 6, 27, part of our scripture says, can, you, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Wouldn't it be great to really be convinced that by worrying, I can't do a single thing in my life? The reality is, is that worry takes away life, doesn't it? Come on, think about the last time you worry. Was it a pleasant time? Was it an energizing time? Was it an inspiring time? No. It takes away life. It subtracts from life. You know, if you look at the hurricanes and, and you look at the earthquakes and, oh, yeah, don't forget the politics, right? Oh, oh, and, and just in case, just in case you, you forgot about this, don't forget about North Korea, right? Don't forget about all these things. And don't forget about your personal issues. Don't forget about your children. Don't forget about your job, your finances, your relationships. Don't forget about these things. We cannot control this. We must submit ourselves to God and realize that our power is weaker than God's power. 1 Corinthians one twenty five says, For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom. It would be a good thing to remember, right? And the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. So here is God. He's never weak. But the, this is a theoretical sense here of saying, Okay, if God could ever be weak in any way, shape, or form, that weakness is stronger than the most strength that all of humanity can muster to change their circumstances. God is all-powerful, and he will work. And so if we surrender to him, 
What can God do in our hearts to bring peace, to bring life? You know, if you look at the, the martyrs of the, of the first century, if you look at the martyrs throughout the centuries that, that you know, thought in, in some strange Americanized way, you know, they didn't think like this, but they could have thought in a strange Americanized way, okay, I'm going to believe in you, so I'm going to have all the blessings that I know I want, a long life and, and, and money and comfort and, and uh, you know, family and all this stuff. But here they did, they, they died. They died. We have to realize that that we can surrender to God and find his blessing no matter what circumstance. How about being free from the control of circumstances over your peace level? Does that sound like a good idea? I want that in my life. I'm still working on it with the Lord. He's doing it every day in my life. I just want to encourage you in it. You know, a confessions of a worryholic. Man, I, I was a wreck. I really was. But the Prince of Peace came in and gave me principles that, that set me free in such a powerful way. The next one says, when you put God first, you see that your value is higher than. Your value is higher than. Matthew six twenty six. Look at the fields of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. You Are you not much more valuable than they? We need to be convinced that we have the value that God has placed on us, for he surely has, hasn't he? Matthew 6, 28 through 30 says, And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. And yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, think about it. Think about the majesty of the mountains in the Wasatch with all the beautiful explosion of color that takes place in midsummer. How beautiful it is. And then how they dry up and blow away like the dust because uh, there is no water in the, in the summer for them to have. This God brings this whole great, beautiful symphony of color out there, and it's nothing compared to the way he wants to clothe us. He cares so much about us. We, we have much more value, much more value. You know, when I think of value, I think of appraisals. When I think of appraisals, I think of real estate. I, I, you know, I, I, I look at appraisal. The idea of an appraisal is you come up with a price that something is valued at, right? So a piece of property or something like that. So when you, when you order an appraisal, whether you buy or sell a property, uh, you, you, you have somebody come, they spend a few hours with you, and they... They take pictures, they do research, they do comps, which means they're, they're looking at what's in the, uh, in the neighborhood that is uh, of uh, equal value or equal style. And then they eventually come up with this entire report on what the value is of a certain property. Well, God did an appraisal on us. He did. He did an appraisal on us. Romans 8 says, 
He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? He appraised us and said, we are worth everything to him. If you don't know Jesus Christ yet, I tell you that he has given up everything so that you can have life. You could have forgiveness of sins. You could have the peace that passes understanding. You could be free from anxiety and fear and trust him in a way that is amazing. The promises of God. Deuteronomy 14 says, You have been set apart as holy to the Lord your God, and he has chosen you from all the nations of the earth to be his own special treasure. You are his special treasure. What an amazing thing to realize that we have this incredible value to God, such a high value that he sent his one and only son so that we would not die, but have life. What a value. That is our value to God. When we understand the principle of the value that we have to God, that we have been appraised, and God has said that we are of the highest caliber, the most most wonderful in his eyes, the treasure in his eyes, What does that do to change our perspective? It's an amazing thing to think of his goodness and his love for us. Next point is when you put God first, you realize that your relationship is safer than. Your relationship with God is safer than. Part of our scripture today in 631 says, Do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Here we have in this section uh, a juxtaposition of two relationships. First, we have pagans. Pagans are idol worshipers. Idol worships ran from idol to idol to try and get their life in order. Maybe this idol is going to provide fertility for me. Maybe this idol is going to provide a wife or a husband for me. Maybe this idol is going to provide finances for me, comfort for me, prestige for me, power for me. Pagans would run from thing to thing as idol worshipers and, and look to find a relationship that was going to provide for them. But then we have the other side of the juxtaposition, which is that our heavenly Father knows that we need them. We have an idol worshiper, and we have someone who is in a rock-solid relationship with a father who has the cattle on a thousand hills. What an amazing thing that is. If we can grab a hold of this concept, we could be changed forever. And every time we struggle with our finances, which we will, how many of you know that, right? It comes and goes, ebbs and flows. Maybe we're doing pretty good on our finances right now, but I guarantee you next year something's going to happen. Maybe not next year, but it could be next week. And that rock-solid relationship of God, the promises of God, we can trust him in it. And our relationship is safer then. 
Deuteronomy 31 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. He is there for you. Galatians 4 says this, Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, Daddy, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child, and since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. You are no longer a slave. You are no longer someone who is a pagan who has to run from thing to thing to try to get it together, to hold it together, to keep your circumstances from falling apart. You are God's son, God's daughter. So you are in relationship with him, a relationship that will never end. And not only that, you are also an heir. What are you an heir to? The promises of God that are yes and amen in Christ. Every promise of God is there for us. We are heirs. The final point is when you put God first, you understand your foundation is stronger than, is stronger than. Matthew 6.33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Seeking God first gives you an impenetrable foundation. Be devoted to God. Put him first and everything flows from there. The peace of God, all the resources that you will need, maybe not what you want, but what you need will be provided for you because God is your father and you are a child and you are an heir. You know, I I never really understood about foundations until I moved to Utah and moved into a Draper neighborhood that has like an underground river running through it, through the neighborhood. I'm really thankful that it doesn't go under our house. But if you go to our neighborhood, you would see sub pubs. Is that how you say it? Sump? Sump? I don't know. Sub? Okay, that word. (laughs) Okay, sump? Oh, okay. I learned how to say it. And, and they're, they're all over our neighborhood pushing water out so it doesn't destroy the foundation. But we have a foundation that will never be shaken in Christ. We sure do. Luke 6, which is um, the Luke version of, uh, of uh, the scriptures that we're reading over this next few months, says, I will show you what it is like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It's like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against the house, it stands firm because it is well built. But anyone who hears and does not obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. I did a little search on foundations and how important they are. Quite a bit of the cost of a house is put into its foundation. Not so that you could have a room for a pool table or a kid's you know, area or something like that. It's, it's for the viability of the structure itself. 
especially in cold areas, so that it doesn't destroy the house because of the frost-thaw cycle. That's what basements are for. That's what foundations are for. Well, in Nazareth, in Jesus' time, they dug deep. They dug 30 feet deep until they came to rock, until they came to rock. And that rock is Christ. And so when Jesus is talking about digging deep, digging deep, he's not talking about just find a place to anchor something. He is talking about digging down to that rock that is not shaken, which is he himself, Jesus Christ, the rock. Nothing is more important to to a house than a foundation. The cross is that foundation. The cross is the great equalizer. Any anxiety or fear that you have in the present, in the visible world, you need to know that you bring it to the cross and the reality changes right there because of the grace of God and the promises of God. Bring your issue to the cross of God and know that at that point, your eyes are going to be refocused. Your anxiety level can go down because you know that the cross brings out all these promises that God has given to us. Dig down deep past the sand of uncertainty and hit the bedrock of the cross of Jesus Christ in your life. Do that and you will find victory as circumstances come in and out. We're going to close right now and Laura's going to come up and sing a song. Come on, Laura. This song is a a song that I heard a couple weeks ago and I thought this is perfect for what we're sharing today. I just want to encourage you to um, let the Lord speak to you and, and then we'll spend a little bit of time praying together, okay? So, Laura, go ahead. First service, he had one more scripture, so I thought I had more time. Um, Ira wanted someone to do this song, and at first I was like, okay, but as I was listening to it and learning it, it just made me cry because um, it's so easy to get lost in our worries and, um, and anxiety, and this has definitely been my prayer this last week. So I hope the words speak to you. You're bigger than what I see 
And it's you in exchange for me. Because even the impossible can be reality. Jesus, I believe. Jesus, I believe. I want to say what you're saying. Speaking life to what is dead. I want to cling to you, Jesus. Oh, hanging on your every breath. And I need to hear you now. I need to know it's you. I'm standing on your promises. I know your word is true. You're bigger than what I see. And it's you in exchange for me. Because even the impossible is your reality. Jesus, I believe. So let your kingdom come. And let your will be done. Here on earth, just kingdom come and let your will be done right here on earth oh just like it is in heaven cause I need to hear you now I need to know it's you I'm standing on your promises. I know your words are true. You're bigger than what I see. And it's you in exchange for me. Because even the impossible is your reality. Oh, I need to hear you now. And I need to know it's you. I'm standing on your promises. I know your words are true. You're bigger than what I see. And it's you in exchange for me. Because even the impossible is your reality. Jesus, I believe. Jesus, I believe. Jesus, I believe. Why don't you stand with me? Why don't you stand up? Let's go to the Lord. Psalm 125 says, Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken but endures forever. That is what we desire to do, Lord. Maybe you're having an earthquake or a hurricane in your life. 
Maybe it's just ongoing stress or anxiety that you feel. It's not something specific. God, right now, he wants you to cast your anxiety upon him because the word says he cares for you. He cares for you. I just want to encourage you, if, if that's you if, you, if you need to cast something upon the Lord today, just, just lift your hands to the Lord. Not, not a sign to me, but a sign to the Lord that you're surrendering. What are you surrendering to the Lord now? Just give it to him. Lord, we just surrender to you. We thank you that, that our security and our relationship is so strong. We can trust you as our Abba Father. You have made us heirs. Lord, we thank you that, that uh, life is greater than, it is greater than the things we see. And we could trust you for the things that are invisible, the promises that are invisible that we don't see yet, the future that's invisible, which is this incredible blessing of being with you for all eternity. Lord, life is greater than. We give these things to you right now. We ask God that you would give us your peace. I just want to spend a min- minute for those that that have have really been kind of racked with anxiety. It's it's um, it's something that that has a little bit of control over you, uh, and 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 it really hurts the quality of your life each and every day. And I want you to know that God wants to set you free in the name of Jesus Christ. By his grace, by his power, he wants to set you free because of what he did on the cross. The reality of the promises of God would fill you and would bathe you and and take away this, this, this awful nagging weight that anxiety can be. In the name of Jesus, be set free. Be set free. Don't let these burdens be on you. Put Christ first in these areas. And trust him. Trust him as a God who loves you. And just one more group of people I'd like to pray for. Maybe, maybe you're like me and, and uh, you were, uh, you know, you're not at a drama competition like, like I was and you heard about the peace of God. You heard about the fact that he could, he could demolish the stronghold of anxiety and fear in your life and set you free to live a life of peace because he is the Prince of Peace. Maybe you're hearing that and, and that is what you want. And that peace comes because Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. And so that thing that separates you, the things you've done to yourself and to others and to God, now are washed away. Jesus Christ took them upon himself on the cross. And now because of that, you can have relationship with the Prince of Peace. And I just want to encourage you, if that's you, just raise your hand. If you want to give your heart to Christ, if you want, to, if you want the Prince of Peace to come in and change your life, amen, amen. Anyone else? Amen, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Anyone else? I just want to give you opportunity. There is, I'll tell you, I was blown away when, when I prayed that prayer and I experienced that peace for the first time and God wants to do it for you too. There's a lot of people that raise their hand. We just want to encourage you 
to come up after, and, and we'll pray more with you. But right now, we want to join you in prayer. So as, a, as just a, a church family, uh, as, as you want to come in relationship with Christ, we're going to join you. And I just want to encourage you to, to repeat this prayer after me. Dear Lord Jesus, let's just have everyone do it, all right? Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the Prince of Peace. And because of your death on the cross, you have given us this gift of forgiveness, of peace, and incredible hope rooted in the promises of God. I give my life to you as the Lord and leader of my life and the forgiver of my sins. And I ask in Jesus' name that I would be your child and you would make me born again. Born of the Spirit. Free to love. Free to have your peace. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can we thank the Lord for that? Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord.